Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Hour number two here on Gojo and Golik coming at you guys. We got plenty to get to, including that uh, big day tomorrow in the NFL. The franchise tag window opens uh, beginning tomorrow on Tuesday. NFL teams are going to have the ability to go out here and tag eligible players. And it's a mixed feeling day for me, obviously, for a lot of fans of teams. It's great. They love this tool because it allows them to keep some of the biggest stars around for maybe one more year, load up for another run. We'll talk about the names that are eligible for that. It's always a bummer for me because a lot of these guys are some of the best and brightest players. We'd love to see what it would look like should they actually reach free agency. And so big decisions around, I think, a couple of incredibly pivotal players that if they were to somehow skate this, all of a sudden change the balance of the offseason. But speaking of changing the balance of the offseason, Dad, did you see this quote from Antonio Pierce talking about what went on for them this offseason? Cliff Kingsbury came over and got hired as the offensive coordinator after briefly flirting with the Las Vegas Raiders uh, that was uh, going on there. He was expected to be the OC under Antonio Pierce and instead ends up in Washington. And Antonio Pierce detailed a pretty interesting story of how and why that actually came to be. For you, it has to be difficult as well because you are working to build the staff. You're having to ask, can you speak to certain coaches? But you feel like you've got one piece and now all of a sudden that piece goes away. Yeah, well, National Football League, NFL, not for long. <laughs> so you're right. I thought we had a guy, but not for long. Hold on. So you put pen to paper, man. That's the one thing I learned. I, no different than us in free agency, right? Gotcha. Teams are recruiting new things are going on. Listen, Mac Johnson's pretty good. I guess he can still, I think he can still dish it out a little bit. <laughs> if I'm losing the magic, I'm okay with that, right? And then at the end of the day, listen, man, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. That's fine. So, Dad, uh, reportedly, Magic Johnson, you know, picked up the phone maybe, had a little bit of sway in this. He's trying to make it about that. I do think it's a little bit more Cliff Kingsbury, but I don't know if there is something to a celebrity owner being able to pick up the phone and Magic Johnson with his infinite charm being able to all of a sudden involve himself in the situation that maybe helps a little bit in the margins. Again, I don't think it's the main reason here, all things considered, but uh, I'm sure for Antonio Pierce, that framework will help you sleep at night a lot more. Yeah, yeah, to, to go ahead and, and say, hey, it's Magic Johnson. You lose out to Magic Johnson. How, how much that had an effect, I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea. As far as Cliff looking at both situations, where I think he knows in Washington he is going to get to start fresh with a, with a rookie right. quarterback. Uh, and we're with the Raiders. Uh, we'll, the, we'll get to the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, but it's, it's Aiden O'Connell and it's Brian Hoyer. 
I don't know if he was going to be real. And we'll see what they do as far as the quarterback situation is concerned. They may go that route as well. But pick a number two like Washington, you're getting basically you're going to get what you're going to probably deem as your second best quarterback unless you think he was the top rated guy, which they probably would say. So maybe that was overall more appealing to him. Yeah, I think this is one of those things. This sounds good, makes for a funny clip, and not actually the reason why you take that. Like, again, if you're Cliff Kingsbury and you're not going to hang out a beach in Thailand and just collect checks anymore, and you just got done living in Southern California and getting to help coach one of the best quarterbacks in the sport, I doubt once you've developed caviar taste and have the ability to afford all that caviar, you'd like to go back down to wondering about your future at that position, especially when maybe... Getting back into this, I'm assuming then Cliff Kingsbury has aspirations of either getting back and doing this at a high level or eventually being a head coach again. I haven't heard that from him, but that's the assumption you make when you're not just going to collect the cash and sit on the sideline for four years after the Cardinals decided to give you the boot. And so the thing that gives you the best opportunity to do that is being able to coach an incredibly talented quarterback. You could say the Las Vegas Raiders afford you some more in the weapons you might potentially have around than Washington does at this point. But again, Dad, it's like everything else in this league. So much of the other stuff that we talk about strategically is what you need when you don't have the dude at quarterback. The simplest solution is still, and the reason we see bad franchises reaching on quarterbacks, even if they're not ready to sustain them, is because, man, if you hit on the one dude that happens to be special enough, everything else gets so much easier for you there. And so I can, I think, very much understand why Cliff Kingsbury would look and say, the simplest path to my redemption, if that's what I want, is going to the place where I believe they're either going to draft the guy I've already worked with or one of the two dudes that people deem as talented or nearly as talented as he is in the draft. Yeah, and maybe you get to buy a little more time as well, right? Because you're working with a rookie quarterback, so maybe you get a little more time, yeah. though. Maybe, maybe not as much as in the past that you would get, but still, you get a little more time to work with the guy and develop the guy. So, yeah, I definitely think that has a way more to do with it than, than Magic Johnson, even though Magic's got that, you know, very magnetic smile. and kind of bring you on in. Come on in. Come on to the team. Listen, Magic's got the juice. I want to make that abundantly clear. This is not me denying yes. that. As I've said to you, people ask all the time, like, oh, have you ever, who's the most famous person you met doing this job? Or who's had you the most starstruck? The only answer I can ever give is Magic Johnson. He's the only person that meeting him, seeing him in person, feeling the energy in the room, like people try and quantify it factor all the time and try and point to what, I don't know what it is. Magic Johnson's got it because I felt proximity cool just being in the room with that guy, getting (laughs) dapped up by Magic Johnson, the most that my feet have ever levitated off the ground. That smile that he flashes absolutely Absolutely can make a difference here, but so is the top overall pick or second overall pick in the draft that he gets yeah. to walk into the party with yeah. as well. So that certainly helps there. Dad, you mentioned by exactly. the way, uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo factor of it all in Las Vegas. How about Jimmy G getting popped for PEDs? Not something I had on the offseason bingo card, but here we are, and it sounds like the Raiders are going to use this as a juncture to potentially release Jimmy Garoppolo, who you know, dealt with injury concerns coming in. Those injury concerns ended up being founded once they got to the season. Aiden O'Connell ends up being the guy that spends a majority of the time in the latter portion of the year under center. And so a failed experiment, Dad, as Jimmy was kind of part of the plan of the old regime where you had the remnants of the Patriots trying to come in and Josh McDaniel trying to recreate what they had had there in New England with a guy he had familiarity with there. And uh, unfortunately, just a very strange end. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, in the whole discussion around him and what he 
he represents has never struck me as a bad guy. It's not someone who seems deserving right. of ire in any way. And so this is something I don't want to laugh at a guy's career prospects and future going forward, but it, it just seems like a very weird wet fart ending to a tenure that never really got off the ground. Yeah, it didn't. And again, he'll be able to be involved in another team's offseason program, uh, preseason. He just has to miss the the first two games, supposedly for a medication uh, that he didn't get okayed. And that's no matter what you think of those, kind of like kind of like the PGA rules. It's like no matter what you think of them, they are the rules. You know, just like Jordan Spieth found out, you get you get disqualified for it. You you're responsible for what you put in your body, and if you're going to take something, you have to make sure. Uh, that that it's been okayed uh, by your team and their off-season testing, which is things that go on as well as far as during uh, as well as during the season, uh, you get tested. So you know you you live with it, and you could say it was an innocent medication, but it's your responsibility to get it checked, whether you like that rule or not. It is what it is. So he misses two games. Uh, certainly misses. He was supposed to make what eleven uh, a base of eleven mil, but his cap hit this year was going to be twenty seven million dollars uh, for the Raiders. That you're tying in the signing bonus and everything. So uh, he will be gone. I'll be interested to see what the Raiders do at the quarterback position this year. Yeah, to your point about the contract, huge contract implications there. Like you said, he was supposed to earn an $11.25 million roster bonus if he was on the roster by the fifth day of March when the new league year begins there. But that base salary for 2024 would now also be voided because of the suspension. So they're going to be able to cut him and save a fair amount of money when they do so because this suspension ended up popping up into play, which, listen, I hate seeing players lose money ever. It's hard enough to come by. These owners are trying to gouge you at every chance that they get and so I root for players to get their money all the time so that sucks for Jimmy but if you are a Raiders fan now and you're trying to get out from under what ends up being a swing and a miss at the most important position in football this at least gives you a little bit of a softer landing spot here Uh, but rooting for paydays is what we do around here dad and tomorrow or excuse me, tomorrow, starting through March 5th, the start of the newly year, begins the window right. for the franchise tag candidates and transition tag candidates for NFL players. And Adam Schefter tweeted out the list of some of the names yesterday, especially defensively. This is a heck of a class of guys that are going to be eligible and some big decisions that organizations are going to have to make. Guys like the other Josh Allen, the linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's been sensational the last couple of seasons. Saquon Barkley, Brian Burns, the star pass rusher for the Carolina Panthers. Kyle Duggar, the safety for the New England Patriots. T. Higgins, Josh Jacobs, Justin Matabike, Christian Wilkins, and Antoine Winfield Jr. with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dad, there's a lot of studs out here where franchises are going to have to play this delicate game. And a reminder for everybody who's unaware, the franchise tag, you can have it placed on you and still negotiate a long-term deal until the middle of July. Teams have that time. Right. And so a lot of times it's like putting the placeholder down at the blackjack table. Yeah, I'm just leaving to go get more money, but I plan on coming back and doing business with you. And that's the hope for a lot of these guys that they get to cash in on a lot of the great stuff they put on tape already. So which of these guys, dad, is most compelling to you oh. and you think has the best chance of actually securing a long-term deal with their team? The, the, the biggest thing to me is the Chiefs. And what do they do? You got Chris Jones. You got Legereus Sneed. Chris Jones, let me just say, does not have to worry about the franchise tag. At least I don't think. No. If they tag him, that's $32 million. It changes for, you know, some are you know, positioning the player and the contracts that they had change stuff. So it would be $32 million to tag Chris Jones. 
You can't afford to do that. Legereus Sneed, it would cost you $18 million to tag him. You could more afford to do that uh, than, than Chris Jones. So in my eyes, well, we, we mentioned back-to-back champs. Who can they hang on to? Legereus Sneed had a monster year. Um, obviously, we know what Chris Jones is. Chris Jones looking to break the bank. You know, did that one-year deal last year, ended up with incentives making about 19 mil. As I talked to him at the Super Bowl, we chatted about the monster gap between Aaron Donald and the next D tackle, which was like 31 million average per year to like 24 million. And this was the guy that was going to close that gap. So you can't tag him. So they got to sign him or somebody else is going to sign him. He's going to make monster money. So you believe you would think the Chiefs would. You can get away with, like I said, tagging Sneed for 18 million, which isn't the worst thing in the world by any stretch, unless you can work out a deal for both where you can keep the tag number down a little bit by, by obviously extending that deal over the life of however long you make it. So that's one of the more interesting ones to me. Yeah, certainly massive implications there because you're talking about anything that puts a hole in the side of the champions, the back-to-back champions and what that would mean for the rest of the league. I do look at his position overall, though, Dad, and say this is a fascinating stretch for defensive tackles in the NFL right now because you've got two big studs that are likely going to be tag candidates and Justin Matabike for the Baltimore Ravens, who was their leader in sacks this year, who thrived in that Mike McDonald defense. And then Christian Wilkins, his counterpart down with the Miami Dolphins, that now really in two different schemes has shown himself to be incredibly potent. The former first round pick turned in nine and a half sacks this last season, working in Vic Fangio's defense that was a marked departure from what Brian Flores and them have been running before that. And so now for that guy, they're a team, Dad, Miami. I think they're like $50 million over the cap. They've got two decisions that they've got to make and start to factor into this now as to what they're going to do with him. But, man, in a league, Dad, where we talked about last week, the running game had such a renaissance over the postseason. The league has spread out so much and gotten so light in certain areas that certain positions, I think, are going to become pretty important in the new world order. And defensive tackle and off-ball linebacker are right near the top of that list. If you've got a guy like him that can be a factor in the run game in the way you need these guys to be with so many light box looks, with so many spread out formations, but who also has pass rush ability to this extent, you got to do whatever you can to keep that guy from walking out the door. So I'd expect Miami is going to go tag and then try and very quickly figure out how they can make the long-term money work with this guy because you don't want a homegrown player who's delivered in this way at a position that's going to be this important to go walking out the door for you. I agree. D-tackle between, you mentioned Wilkins, Metabike, and Chris Jones of what they could all get. The other two would make over $20 million a year, and you're looking at Jones making upwards of $30 million dollars a year the the importance of that position one we didn't talk a lot about it's always been what quarterback left tackle cornerback and edge rusher those were the positions of money right but now these d tackles to to assert themselves as what they can do uh in the middle of the field and and i'll just say again for for those that that see this tag every year and see how the players don't want to be tagged every single year and the battle that goes on there was a time when players love to be tagged, they wanted to be tagged because you were told you are now going to make for one year the average of the top five players at your position. So there was that pride thing of I'm considered one of the top five at my position, or at least I'm going to get paid that. And you were guaranteed that for a year. And then there was the thought of, wait a minute, 
wait a minute, I could make a lot more money over a lot of years with a big signing bonus as opposed to just this one year where I'm going back on the field. Sure, it's great I'm being paid like the top five, but it's a one-year deal, and if I get hurt, I'm really screwing myself for the for the next contract mm-hmm. I wanted to sign. So like I said in the beginning, we as players loved it, loved the fact of, wow, okay, you're going to get this. you know. Uh, but then it, it certainly turned to, man, don't tag me, dude. Don't tag me. You're not going to like it. You won't like me very much if you tag me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's considered, I think, one of the biggest losses by the Players Association at the collective bargaining table ever because now, and Dad, it's it's the bummer. It's amazing the NFL has been able to turn its off-season product into what it's been and its trade deadline product to what it's become, which is much more mirroring the interest that surrounds the NBA. Roger Goodell and the NFL's quest to make this a year-long product is in part driven by creating interest like this in the soap opera part of it, and you do so with so few of your star players ever reaching true free agency because of the franchise tag, because it's this extra tool of leverage. Hell, we saw with a different kind of franchise tag last year with Lamar Jackson how interesting that got, where we had a guy even close. Yeah to opening up the can of worms that would have been a star quarterback in the prime of his career entering free agency for a guy that ended up being the MVP of the freaking league that we got that close. Most people, as we pointed out throughout that process, never really felt like it was actually going to get to that point. But for a lot of these names now, Dad, it it gets you to the point where most often, and, and I had this discussion with Dominique Foxworth the other day, as it pertained to some of the quarterbacks that we've seen change teams, right? These high-profile free agent swings or trades that go on for these organizations that try and bring in an Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson or a Matthew Stafford or a Tom Brady where you're usually in most cases like that. If you're being able to pry one of these players out of an organization, it's usually because there's some sort of factory defect or thing that you've got to worry about along that process because most organizations with the tools they have like the franchise tag at their disposal aren't letting their good players get out of the building more often than not right and and mike mentioned the date uh usually it's like july 15th that's an important date because if you get tagged as mike mentioned you could still negotiate a long like somebody will get tagged between now and march 5th you have until basically july 15th to get that long-term deal done. And if you sign the franchise tag and you don't get that deal done by July 15th or whatever that date's going to be, that's what you're playing for. No more negotiations. Nothing else can be done. So a lot of times a guy won't sign the franchise tag unless, you know, it's right at the last minute when he knows, you know, he's he's going to play that year. Uh, because, again, if you, if you don't sign it, you get to that point of July 15th where – that's the only thing you can play on. Then a player has to decide, am I going to play this year or am I going to sit this year? You know, and, and it really hasn't worked out for many players that want to sit the entire year. But knowing that date looms out there in the middle of July, uh, that date there, that that's the only thing you can play on becomes a real. We always say things get done when your back's against the wall or when you pressure that deadline. That's the deadline. That middle of July is the big deadline of where you can get that long-term deal or done, or no matter what, if you don't, you have to play on that one-year amount. 
And we see between now and that time, that's when all the fireworks start. Every sports talk yep. show in America and worldwide is going to be led by some player and agent trying to manufacture leverage out of nowhere. I'm sure we're going to see a bunch of guys wipe the team from their Instagram page and pull that rabbit out of the hat. We're going to see a bunch of anonymous quotes leaked about this player's desire to play at another team. All this stuff that's going to pop up that you're right ultimately is going to get resolved about a week before that week in July or in the days leading up before and is going to leave us instead dead I think relegated to having to look for more secondary characters in this free agent market because T Higgins that we talk about at wide receiver the Bengals are likely going to tag him they're probably going to be able to make that work for at least one more year we're coming back right, off the Joe right. Burrow injury they try and get him we mentioned Christian Wilkins some of these other guys Brian Burns and company like we're gonna have to look further down the list to guys like you know uh you know, looking at the New York Jets like Bryce Huff defensive ends like that right. that are going to be priced out of a defense that doesn't really need them because they've got so much depth elsewhere and that's a lot less sexy than trying to go and mine social media for who a different player is liked or followed and how that might impact their potential free agency if they even get there oh uh, the NFL season is over but we've got that coming up we've got the combine before that coming up and then the NFL draft the NFL just keeps on giving and giving and giving Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Wouldn't be a Monday on Gojo and Golik if we didn't mic things up a little bit. It is time for Mic'd Up Monday. Some of the best sounds from over the weekend in the world of sports. And, uh, Dad... We've got the mother of all sound bites here coming up. Uh, LeBron James, our coworker here at DraftKings, uh, incredibly giving of content over the weekend <laughs> in a number of different ways. But uh, this one, I, I think, made us all chuckle a little bit here. LeBron James was front and center during NBA All-Star Weekend. As you mentioned, only played a little bit in the game, nursing an ankle injury, and talked about his priority being getting back on the court, being healthy enough for this final stretch of 30 or so games that most teams have left. But 
he's gotten asked a lot more about his future, both with the Lakers and just in general in the league, being that he is in his 20th season and he is one of the oldest players, if not, I think the oldest player in the league currently at this point. And so LeBron got asked a question this weekend about the retirement tour possibility. Does he want to be celebrated by all the teams going around and whatever his final year ends up being, or does he want to go out incognito mode? And here's what the King had to say about that subject. Um, I have not mapped out how many seasons I have left. Um, I know it's not that many. Um, I also don't know if I will. I was asked this question a couple of days ago. Will you kind of take the farewell tour or will you kind of just Tim Duncan it? I'm 50 50. Um, I'm going to be honest because there's times where I feel like. I guess I owe it to my fans that's been along this journey with me for two decades plus to be able to give them that moment, you know, whereas every city and whatever the case may be, and you know, they give you your flowers or whatever the case may be, you know, and, and that seems cool. Um, but the other side of, I've never been that great with um, accepting like praise. I've, it's, a, it's a weird feeling for me. Um, I never really talked about it much, but it's just a weird feeling for me. So to, to go in each city, if that's the case, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen Mike's, I've seen Kobe's, I've seen a lot of guys. Um, I just don't know how much I, how I feel. I don't know if I will feel great about it. Maybe the only child in me, maybe. So again, LeBron James, <laughs> hashtag DK partner. Love him. Can't wait to see him around the office in Boston. We can get some snacks together. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure he's going to be giving out his weekly football picks on our show coming up this next fall. It's going to be awesome. So I'm not going to yeah. call him a liar. I would never besperch his character like that. But, uh, Dad, what are we talking about here? We know LeBron James is doing the final lap victory tour, right? This man who yep. courts attention at every turn and who has been one of the best at it. He's been the center of the NBA for the last two decades, the better part of my adult life. He's absolutely going around and going to get like random surfboards and weird rocking chairs and all the strange gifts that NBA franchises come up with here. We don't need to lie to kick it. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it's a matter of somebody want to do it or not want to do it. I, I think he'll do it. And and again, as you mentioned, you know, our, our partner now with, with DK, I would hope the first time that he comes in Boston into the studios when we're there, he brings donuts because that's what rookies need to do. Uh, so that's it's uh, you, you're never too old to be a rookie sometimes. So hopefully he'll do that. And with his money, hopefully the good cream filled ones. We'll wait and see. Uh, but but I hope he does it. You know, you also have to be sure, right, that you're going to be walking away because the one thing you do when you say this is yeah. my last season is you, when you're playing, if you're playing well and feel good, you all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, is this really going to be my last season? After you've collected, you know, 100 rocking chairs and 10 surfboards and whatever else gifts you're getting from every place, and all of a sudden you say, you know what, I'll give these gifts back because I'm coming back. So that's always an interesting one to say it's your last year. I think it's tough to just say this is going to be it. Uh, but if, if he does know that, I hope he does. Yeah, this guy's going down. People, that'll be the thing. Where are you going to rank him? But regardless, he's in the team picture for one of the greatest of all time. I think we can all agree upon that. With an unbelievable career, long longevity uh, in his career, what he has done in his career, I think it would be cool. There's a lot of, lot of LeBron James fans out there. 
Uh, I think would love to see him go city to city, knowing it's his last time playing there. So I, I hope he would do something like that. Overall, I'm not sure how those things work overall for a, an entire season. If you can pull it off, I think it's great because I think it's really good for the fans. And uh, as we know, fans aren't thought of enough in the world of professional sports. I mean, if you're Adam Silver, you have to be pushing for this behind closed doors because losing LeBron James already presents a massive void in your entire conversation cycle and interest as a league because he's been the guy that's been the name of choice for so long, but you're looking for ways to make the in-person experience more exciting to get fans in seats for this and crowds up for this. And so, yeah, your last chance as a fan to see LeBron James in your arena around the league, whatever you felt about him is going to be a draw. So I'd imagine Adam Silver is probably going to be the first in line to put his hand up for that. Now, the other interesting thing LeBron said last uh, last night on the desk with the inside the NBA crew on TNT was we obviously had the story from Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne about the Golden State Warriors putting in the call for LeBron James to see if he was available before the trade deadline. And while it never amounted to anything realistically, and his agent Rich Paul was on with Stephen A. Smith and said as much that this never got that far down the road, but the Warriors are a franchise that's known for making the call, for being aggressive in the way that they pursue these things. LeBron James tried to get up on that stage in front of the country and say that he learned about the Warriors trade attempt at the same time that everybody else did with Woj and company breaking the story. And dad, this is another one there where like, I don't know how he expects us to believe that when the whole point of yeah. this was, hey, the reporting around the story that Rich Paul is basically confirmed, by the way, like he went on Stephen A. Smith's show and said, Ramona Shelburne and Woj are not reporting things that aren't true. This is the guy that was right. in these conversations in Rich Paul, his agent and the CEO of Clutch Sports saying that. And then LeBron coming out and saying this, like, did they not talk about the media strategy? They're way too good at this for this to happen in yeah. this moment. That's the thing. We all just sit there and hear him say that and say, okay, we, we don't believe you. You know, we, we, we don't believe this at all. But to me, it does make it interesting. When you start talking about something a lot, are you waiting, just like the old owner that gives the, you know, I'm behind this coach, this is still our guy, and then the guy's fired. You know, you got LeBron saying, I love being a Laker. I want to continue being a Laker. Does that lead to him not being a Laker anymore? He's got a member, he's got a player option next year and then a free agent the year after that. But if he declined that player option, you know, what goes on? Could he end up somewhere next year? He makes it sound like he wants to be on the Lakers next year. And then there's all the talk of Bronny at USC, which LeBron has kind of backed off. I, I just don't see any, yeah. any way, shape, or form that Bronny is going into the NBA draft this year. I mean, he's averaging about 18 minutes a game, I think a little over five minutes and three uh, rebounds a game. So doesn't seem like someone that's going to be a one and done. So if does LeBron still hold that where he would in two years would supposedly be a free agent when maybe Bronny would come out after two years, who knows, you know, I don't know, but that, that, that has seemed to go on the back burner a little bit more uh, as opposed to where LeBron may be playing next year or the year after that, if he is in fact playing. I think with that in mind, Dad, a two-year timeline does make a lot more sense. Like, the Lakers are yeah. going to have, I think, three first-round picks this summer, a bunch of money to work with. Right. They're going to have a chance to swing big for another star for a core right. roster that has gotten a little bit better in the lead-up to the All-Star game. I think went 8-3 and three in their last 11 games in the lead-up here. They've gotten to some better lineups, especially with Rui Hachimura getting more involved. And so 
while I don't think that they're necessarily primed for a Western Conference Finals run like they were last year, you've got enough of a foundation set where if you just get through this season with LeBron and AD healthy as the core, you get to load up and I think make one more really big push for this next offseason. And while LeBron James has indicated he would like to finish his career as a Laker, there is the Bronny factor that if all of a sudden that becomes more realistic, if Bronny stays in school yeah. for another year, gets to do all that, then LeBron James has options where he's traditionally made his options felt at the conclusion of contracts. He's not been a guy that's forced his way out of a lot of that. He's always just strategically structured the deals. Yeah, and then you have the situation where you load up for LeBron like you'd load up for Tom Brady or somebody else, and then once that person leaves, what are you left with? You know, what, 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 what are the Lakers left with on the other side of LeBron James as you've loaded up for a championship there to what you're left with when he leaves? And the Lakers have traditionally forsaken that in the name of making their superstars feel happy. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Dad, one bit of sound that we didn't get to in Mike Up Monday was a very angry Rick Pitino, the St. John's head coach after a last loss, their last loss, basically let the chopper sing on everybody. Here was uh, ticked off Rick Pitino and his rant. And really it's not about losing. Because even in winning, winning when we watch the film, I see unathletic plays. I, I see people that don't handle a ball that's just interested in taking quick shots. So it's been a disappointing year. If you had to do it over again, would you have attacked your first offseason differently? I had no choice. We just could take who we could get, who was available. We had no choice. Um, I don't think we were going to win the first year anyway. Because when you rush like that and you don't see the players and you just uh, not not a whole lot we can do, but it's um, I think I've enjoyed even even the Celtics when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. You have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. Look, I'm disappointed. I don't want to say the wrong things, but I'm really disappointed in my team. 
He also went on to bemoan the facility. Like the, the, the facilities caught a stray here. He said, do we have yeah, they did. facilities? Yeah, we do. And we're doing something about that. But that's not why we're losing. Having bleep facilities has nothing to do with not guarding. So uh, St. John's can't feel great about this, Dad. The players on the team can't feel great about this, even if the play hasn't lived up to the standard. But this whole moment of Rick Pitino trying to come back and do this, his road back from Louisville, the problems that he made for himself and what led him on this very circuitous, uh, circuitous path back to college coaching is kind of one of those reminders as we're seeing some older coaches aged out of the current system of college athletics in a lot of ways. He parachuted back in at a time where I think we're getting a reminder that the way that you used to do things and what used to be afforded at you at some powers or otherwise just aren't there anymore. The game has changed a lot, and I wonder how long a guy like Rick Pitino is for this world. Yeah, he, he took he took it at, for everybody. The facilities he mentioned more than a few times, but then we keep saying, but that's not the reason we're losing, but he kept bringing up the facilities, kept bringing up his coaches, his other coaches, and their recruiting, especially portal recruiting that went on. Uh, then the players about how they're not very athletic. He said, we have about five guys that are slow laterally. <laughs> so he gets on them from the defensive side of the ball as well. He questions their toughness, basically saying, you know, you're a power forward on this team. You play 29 minutes and you don't get a free throw. That means you're not mixing it up enough underneath. So, I mean, he questioned everything, basically everything and everybody as well. Uh, and, and I think I agree with you. That there's just a new era of coaching. We, we've heard Gino Ariema talk about it as far as how it affects the coaching, the player-coach relationship nowadays. It is different. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Is it harder on the coaches? Yes. Is anybody going to feel sorry for the coaches outside of the coaches? No. Um, I, I don't believe they are, but it had, the game has changed. And how do you change with it? How do you adjust with it? That's the only question now. You can be, you know, someone who complains about the NBA All-Star game, or you can think about, you know, what can maybe make it more interesting if, in fact, that's the way you want to do it. You can be somebody who complains about the way coaching has to be or college athletics are now, or you can sit there and try and say, how can we best optimize our team in the current situation that we're in? That's the ones I want to be around instead of bemoaning what we used to be because what we used to be, we ain't got anymore. We're not going back to it. So how do you adjust to it? And as Rick Pitino said, I didn't expect to win in the first year. So let's see what he does. Let's see what portal, portal shopping he does and what he has to spend NIL or what kind of team he gets together in the second season. So time will tell, uh, but but the structure has certainly changed. And you got a guy, Rick Pitino, who has been in the headlines for certainly other things than basketball over the years, uh, dealing with the new era of college basketball. Yeah, I, I'd say that's putting it very kindly there. And, and, Listen, the situation he walked in for anybody was going to be difficult, right? The transfer portal changes the way that regime shifts happen in college basketball. So when Mike Anderson got replaced at St. John's, 10 of the players that are now on the team for Rick Pitino ended up being transferred. There were only two players that stuck around there. And we've heard a lot of coaches talk about the difficulty of trying to build anything resembling continuity or culture in those environments and in those circumstances, dad. But at the same time, I also do wonder if a coach like Rick Pitino that is very openly ripping his players in public in front of a microphone now, which is all 
always something I've sort of bristled at given the dynamic that's been in play in college that is changing right now. If that's going to be something that gives you stickiness when it comes to players deciding they want to stick around to your organization, players deciding they want to come and transfer and play for you and Rick Pitino. If the player of today, and we've had this conversation a lot, responds to this style of coaching well enough anymore to where this is going to be a beacon that, oh, well, I'm a player that wants to come help restore glory to St. John's when that might not mean much to most players of this day and age. So I'm wondering... What do you think about Patino talking about a salary cap? You know, we're talking about these guys getting paid now, right? And and becoming, at some point, maybe becoming employees, but right now they're not employees. And he's talking about, for his conference in the Big East, a salary cap, each team $2 million. You have to turn in the players' NIL contracts to the NCAA so you stay, you know, at the $2 million or below salary cap. Do you think... That is an area where we could be headed. As, as I would imagine if we go to employees, it very well could be that. Um, but do you think we're heading in that direction? Yeah, I mean, but again, that's that's the biggest if is like, yeah, you're probably going to get something that resembles more of a salary cap if you admit they're employees and if you do all of the other things that come with admitting players are employees right now. And that's why I've always said most coaches don't care about the rest of that stuff because they just want more control over their roster. And in Rick's case, usually the people crying about this are the people that are getting their asses kicked right now. And Rick's team's doing a lot of getting their ass kicked right now. You're not going to hear yep. as many complaints from the people that are sitting at the top of the sport because, again, I will stay. The club is the most informative book about college football and college athletics that was not written about college athletics athletics it was written about the premier league over in england but you look at most college sports and the vanity spending that goes on and now the nil spending and before that in college basketball it was everything we saw in that ncaa probe that went on where you had all this under the table sneaker money that was governing where the best players wound up in the sport and basically operating in the system we operating in now just under the table is Hey, with all of this, it's the more you spend, the more you get. That's how it's been in English right. soccer and a lot of European football for years. Americans have found this out the hard way, trying to go over there and moneyball situations across the pond. It's like, no, you got to spend or else you're not going to get what you need. That's traditionally been what college sports have been. So, yes, I think something like actual contracts and potentially a salary cap, well, I'm never going to root for a salary cap because it's restrictive to right, the players, right. and that's never something I'm generally in favor of. You've got a better chance of that if you go and admit the other parts of players being employees that would be beneficial to them. But you don't get one without the other. And that seems to be what Rick and most of these people that are pushing for these things actually want. Is, hey, we want restriction without having to actually have any bite out of our ass in this process. And that's just not something that's going to happen now. Yeah, and that's his solution number two. Patino, solution number one is a $2 million cap for the conference. Solution number two he said, for the NCAA should be taken out of the equation in this new collegiate landscape, which would include contracts for players. He said, do away with letters of intent, make athletes sign a two-year binding contract, no different than professional athletes, which they are, he said. With that, the NIL collective puts together their NIL contract based on the cap. So he's got a cap. He's got basically saying we're employees now that the athletes are employees now. Two-year contracts, binding contracts. I was going to say, Coach, will you do a binding contract? <laughs> hey, will right. the coaches take I, any kind of a binding contract at all? <laughs> again, every part of this process is cloaked with pundits, 
media members or some media members, but certainly coaches and fans who all look at the changes in their sport and going, wait a minute, it's because you players have more now. Let's curb a little bit of what you can do and change none of the surrounding system for everybody else in a way that I'm just going to continue to laugh at. Like, man, you don't get to put Pandora in the box now. Y'all had your chance. You screwed it up. And now all of a sudden the players get to decide a lot more of what's going to happen going forward. DraftKings Casino is bringing you only the best. Classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots, plus exclusive games you won't find anywhere else. I love blackjack. I love making football and blackjack analogies. I think they're really similar games. Both require incredible strategic knowledge. What are you going to do on third down, fourth down, in the red zone becomes when are you going to split, double, and stay? And of course, it's the ultimate team game. We got to work together to defeat our common enemy in the dealer. Same way I had to work together with the offensive line to protect the quarterback and get a win over our opponent. You can get all that action by downloading the DraftKings Casino app now and using code GOLICPOD. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. That's code GOLICPOD only on DraftKings casino the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly 21 plus physically present in connecticut michigan new jersey pennsylvania west virginia only void in ontario eligibility and other restrictions apply one per new customer must opt in and make minimum five dollar deposit within seven days 168 hours of registering new account max match 100 in casino credits which require one-time playthrough within seven days that's 168 hours see terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player offer 2024 All right, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and try and check us out here live if you can, Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Roku, and more. But if you miss any of us, you can also get us wherever you get your podcasts or right here available on the YouTube channel as soon as we get done. Dad, let's get to a little bit of college baseball to start off with this. (laughs) We talked about lacrosse today. We'll give the other spring sports their love here. Sacramento State's Matt Mascangliano. Go, man, this is a name right here. Mascangelo, I'm going to go with that one right now, was hit seven or eight times by a pitch in his Hornet debut against Loyola Marymount on Friday here. Dad, how do you feel about being the human voodoo doll at the plate? Reminds me of Bad News Bears, the one player that they, they would tell him to lean in and get hit to get on base. He was hit eight plate appearances. He was hit seven times. I mean, man, uh, that that that's a tough go. I mean, that, that that is somewhat stunning. Hit a lot in the lower body. I saw in the feet and the ankles area when he got hit. They kept pitching him inside. He kept crowding the plate, so they keep pitching him inside and the and he wouldn't he wasn't moving. He was not moving for anything. He'd just take the hit and jog on down to first base. But seven times hit in eight plate appearances, obviously that's got to be some kind of some kind of incredible record. Incredible on base percentage. Great time to ice up for Matt Maschiangelo is what I'm going to go with with that name. Now that I've summoned powers of speech again, it's a federal holiday. I didn't ask for any of this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I dad, listen. 
As someone whose baseball career ended in the fourth grade when I went on the Little League All-Star circuit and had a batting average of zero. And like that was not like zero in this sense where I was still managing to get like I got up there and was swinging and missing on everything. I should have just leaned into being a bigger bodied fourth grader, leaning into these pitches and finding some way to impact my team because I was basically just there for team morale and to sprinkle in a couple of fun movie quotes. And every now and then it was a disaster. And you were big enough to to take the hits too, that if you wanted to do that just to get on base. Uh, Just like this dude, Matt, I mean, like I said, did not budge. I mean, normally you see a ball coming at you, you're going to try and, you know, every now and then bail out of the way. Just stood in there and took it every single time. Pretty amazing. I've never seen a stat like that before. He's listed at 5'11". I believe this is him, 5'11", 190. So... Not a lot of meat on those bones, so you got to applaud him for standing in there and getting the hip popped a little bit there, but going out and helping the cause there for Sacramento State. Congrats to Matt uh, for going out there and putting your body on the line for the boys. Dad, let's get to that. We got a bunch of hockey news that we get to get to today. The NHL announcing the Big City Greens Classic game that's going to come up on March 9th, and much like the Toy Story game that we saw for the NFL, it is going to have that animated Disney Channel treatment to it in a way that's becoming a lot more popular. A lot of these leagues are looking to try and reach younger and younger fans. The Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins are going to get that treatment for the game that's going to have that telecast, also simulcast on ESPN+, Plus, the Disney Channel, Disney XD, and Disney plus uh that will be in addition to the abc and espn plus broadcast so this is kind of the way of the world now and we've got the technology to go out here and try and make the game we talked about the all-star game the things that people are trying or not trying not to fix there I think a lot of these leagues have looked at a lot of these one-off games. We saw, you know, the the stadium games that we have for the NHL in that series here, but this one now is an appeal to younger fans that the NFL has made extremely popular. Oh, I, I, I love it. I, I love that. I love the outdoor games. I think making it animated, I think, is fantastic. I love the outdoor games. I remember going to one at Notre Dame Stadium when the Blackhawks played there. I love New Jersey and Philly just played. The New Jersey players came out like the play New Jersey. And the Philadelphia players all came out dressed like Rocky Balboa that was running down the street when he ran up the steps. Uh, I, I love it. I think the outdoor games are great. Now they're starting to question, are we doing too many of them? Is there too many of them out there? I, I, because that's what you see at times. You see a good thing and then you see overkill of it. But I love the outdoor games. I think they're very, very cool. And, and, and I hope they keep doing a lot of them. Well, it's fun when people buy in, like the players having fun with that. We've said before for basketball and for NHL, it's true too. These are long seasons. You're looking for ways to break up the monotony for a lot of these guys, especially when you get in the middle and the dog days of all this. And this is a great way to do it. And something like this, the Big City Greens game, that for anyone that's unaware is apparently a very popular Disney Channel animated series here. My exposure to uh, kids programming has only gone so far, Dad. Obviously, we've got, uh, you know, my nephew Jackson, your grandson Jackson, and niece and grand daughter Alex who are both just kind of getting into the TV phase of things but a lot of my friends kids I haven't heard of Big City Greens get brought up what I got exposed to this weekend a show called Trash Truck on Netflix this thing's awesome a garbage truck that's friends with a bear and a raccoon and a human child that apparently can go from being on the streets going out here and picking up garbage to going inside classrooms and inside houses the time and space things don't make sense to me here but I guess for animated television that's not what I should be worried about I should be worried about how cool it is that this trash truck has formed a bond with this little boy and they can be homies it's always interesting to me which kids shows hit for you 
And Jake, it was uh, the movie Jungle Book. We put that in and you guys were down. You guys were watching. You guys were way back in the Barney era as well. And you mentioned Jackson with Paw Patrol. By the way, dogs who have unlimited amount of money for the amount of, uh, unlimited amount of tools that they have to protect their city. It's pretty impressive. Uh, but Miss Rachel out there now. It's, I'm always interested in what the hot thing is that will keep your kid. You know, they always say don't plop your kid down in front of the TV or whatever. I'm like, listen, when you need 30 minutes of sanity or longer and you got a show that can do that and you can be at your wit, wits ends every now and then, plop them down in front of that and get yourself back to normal a little bit so you're good for your kid and your kid's good for you. And by the way, Miss Rachel actually teaches you a lot as well. I can't believe that none of these leagues have found a way to incorporate Miss Rachel into a broadcast. You want to talk about building an army of young fans here. You get babies hooked on these games if you just get Miss Rachel (laughs) up on the screen. Everybody's going to be locked in on this, parents and children alike. So the first league to figure out how to weaponize Miss Rachel is going to be the one that controls our nation's future. That much I can say for damn sure. So, Dad, from the youth to the olds, let's get to the third here. A cool moment for the Pittsburgh Penguins and one of their former stars, Yamir Yager, who got his number 68 jersey, retired on Sunday. It was a great occasion in the house for everyone in Pittsburgh. You're seeing the picture there uh, now with him and current star Sidney Crosby. He also got to revisit with one of his former heroes and Hall of Famer Mario Lemieux, who he ended up idolizing and then playing alongside for that great run for the Penguins. The ending we know to his career there, especially going and signing with the Flyers late in his career, kind of made for a little bit of a bumpy exit, but dad overall was the kind of celebration that you would expect for a player of this caliber at a franchise with this kind of history. Not only plays a long time, but still playing, owns the team in Kladno, Czechoslovakia, and plays for that team. He's 52 years old, so he is still playing after being, what, the fifth overall pick in the 1990 draft by the Penguins. I believe 11 years there, the fourth leading scorer in franchise history there, but he's so much more. Played for a number of different teams. When he had a chance to possibly go back to Pittsburgh, he ended up going to Philadelphia, which kind of cost him for a little bit getting booed all the time uh, by Penguin fans for saying, how could you go play for Philadelphia? Uh, But obviously there was forgiveness there. Second uh, in NHL career regular season points, uh, to just Wayne Gretzky. Oh, by the way, he's about 900 points <laughs> behind Wayne Gretzky. That's how great Wayne was. But, I mean, in goals, he was fourth. Assists, fifth. Games played fourth. Overtime goals tied for second. Game-winning goals first. Even strength goals. It goes into so many stats of where he is top five, top ten, and what he has meant to this game for so long. And like I said, still playing the old owner player, you know, in Czechoslovakia right now at 52 years old. I'm 61. Even when I was 52, I couldn't imagine doing anything uh, in my sport uh, anymore. Certainly not putting on pads and hitting anybody. But this guy, now obviously I, I don't imagine it's as crazy as, as the NHL, but I haven't, uh, I'm not going to lie, I haven't seen a whole lot of his games in Czechoslovakia. But dude's still skating around at 52 years old and playing. Pretty impressive. I was going to say, man, I have a tough time foam rolling getting out of bed for a Pilates class as a 34-year-old. I couldn't imagine getting ready for ice time as a guy in his 50s the way that he has. So congrats to him. Congrats to the Penguins. If you enjoyed Raising the Banner for this show, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review it, leave us a five-star rating. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.